It takes a village to raise a child. We all know that, right? But what happens if you can't find your village? Because raising your child is really, really tough. What if you are so filled with shame and doubt and guilt and fear of judgment that you don't share your triumphs and your struggles? You don't talk about it because you don't think anyone can possibly relate. Well, I've been there and it was really hard for me to find my tribe. So I decided to make mine. I went out and found these amazing mothers who are also in the trenches, struggling to raise their kids. Together, we are a community. And in this podcast on the hard days, you'll find motivating stories from other real moms who get it. We're going to accept who we are and how we show up for our children each and every day, even on the hard days. My friends, let me tell you what I know after a year of podcasting. Number one, we are all wonderful mothers doing the best we can to meet the needs of our neurodiverse children, our family, and ourselves. That is so evident in the sheer number of mothers I've interviewed on the On the Hard Days podcast, pushing through and showing up day after day. And number two, as lonely as the journey feels, there are mothers out there just like you, raising kids just like yours. And honestly, They want to meet you. Yes, you. It's hard to make mama friends these days, especially when you have an out-of-the-box child. I needed this too. Moms I could text any time who were always supportive, who understood what I was going through. I scoured the internet to find my people, but came up empty-handed. That's when I decided to take matters into my own hands. Mothers Together launched in August, with the goal of forming lifelong friendships and making deep connections in a judgment-free, totally safe space. And let's just say it took off. In 2022, I hope to provide at least 100 mothers with the support they've been needing for years. While it seems like a lofty goal, consider this. After just two weeks with their pod squads, my Mothers Together members have said things like, and I quote, joining Mothers Together is the single best decision I've made for myself this year. And it's wild the confidence I've gained in myself and being less afraid of others judging me. And finally, There's so much support from each mom I've met, we all just instantly get each other's perspective. All the women are so open and vulnerable, it lends itself to feel closeness with one another. I feel so lifted by them daily. These messages show how badly we need community. We need solidarity. We need understanding. The journey to raising our neurodivergent children is not ever going to be easy, but being surrounded by women who lift you up on a daily basis can sure help. Are you ready to finally get the support and friendship you've been needing for years? Find me on Instagram at ontheharddays with dots in between each word and send me a DM or shoot me an email at ontheharddays at gmail.com. Finally, head on over to ontheharddays.com forward slash mothers together to get the sign up link. We can't wait to get to know you, my friend. The support that you need is finally here. Welcome back, everybody. I am very excited to bring you a conversation with Charity Howard. And just now, this is the perfect way to introduce you. Honestly, what you just said was so perfect because at the beginning of every recording, I always ask the moms if if there's any specific way they want me to introduce them or, um, you know, any specifics. And you said, you know, no, I'm I'm pretty open about everything because that's the whole point that there's a stigma there around raising neurodiverse kids. And so if we don't talk about it and we're not open about it, then we can't, 
kind of busts through those, those assumptions that, that society sort of believes. So I'm so glad that you said that because that's what I love about you is just your honesty about the challenges that we face. So first of all, Charity, thank you so much for being here. Oh, no, you're more than welcome. I'm glad that we could finally get all of this in motion. <laughs> I know that was my, I had to cancel. Oh, I got stuck in traffic. That's right. It's just been kind of one <laughs> thing after another. So finally, fingers crossed, this recording goes through, you know, no issue. Um, why don't you take a minute and tell us about you and, and your kids and, and we'll go from there. Okay. So just kind of a brief rundown of what makes our house so much fun. (laughs) I'm a 35-year-old single mom of four. My oldest is going to be 17 next month. Goodness. Um, She was diagnosed when she was 13 with disruptive mood disaggregation disorder, DMDD, um, which now... We're going through changes on what that exact diagnosis is, but, and then she was also diagnosed with ADHD. Okay. Then my youngest, well, not my youngest, my oldest son, he is 13, ADHD. He is all boy, the (laughs) bouncing off the wall. Then there is Dylan. Uh, He is, has several different diagnoses. He is on the spectrum. Uh, high functioning, uh, DMDD as well, ADHD, ODD, OCD. We've got about an alphabet soup going on. Mm-hmm. Um, and then my youngest is five. And well, we're just hanging out to see. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And, yeah. And then I myself, they did get their genetics from me. Uh, ADHD here as well as PTSD that started when I was about two years old. Wow. That's, that's a lot. (laughs) That's a lot. Um, and I want to talk about kind of the impact that all this has on you soon, but first, if I could just ask you, you're the second person in like the last two days to mention DMDD to me. Mm -hmm. Can you explain that a little bit? Because that is one that I, I haven't really heard of too much. Sure. And I didn't know it until um, my oldest daughter, she was on an ADHD medication, doing great. And then here came the lovely puberty that everyone loves. And her mood just did a tailspin. Now, this doesn't happen for all kiddos because sometimes um, DMDD was introduced into the DS. M simply because there was an explosion of pediatrics being diagnosed with bipolar that didn't quite fit all of the criteria. Oh, so there's a link there. Uh, it, it can, because from what I've seen and other parents that I've talked to in the DMDD community, it either goes on into something more behavioral or it does go into the bipolar diagnosis. Okay. Um, With DMDD, they have issues regulating their emotions um, or even interpreting the emotions, facial expressions of others. Okay. That could cross into so many things too. (laughs) Like there's a lot of overlap between all of these things. Um, 
And so when you, I mean, sharing this, this is, this is all of your children who are neurodiverse and you're doing this on your own, which is incredible. Um, I know when we talked, gosh, probably over a month ago now, but you talked about sort of the trauma that you guys have gone through in your home just because your kids are neurodiverse and therefore they have struggled with certain things Mm -hmm. that have been, you know, taken a toll on you guys. Um, Do you want to speak to that at all? Well, it does. Um, And I mean, um, my 10 year old, he's the one on the spectrum and he does get explosive and to, in all honesty, I didn't realize how much it affected everyone else and how great the trauma was. Like, I felt it. I'm mama. <laughs> Until my youngest, uh, we had an incident at the beginning of the pandemic that was pretty detrimental. And so she's five now. She was four at the time, who was completely potty trained, uh, even throughout the night she started actually having accidents. I mean, right standing right in front of me would use the bathroom in the floor or would be who was headstrong and independent. She will revert back to mommy. I don't want to go in that room by myself. Can you go with me? And it's just because unfortunately that's something that our home has encounters is Things where safety is our main priority, just making sure that everyone is safe and no one is hurt. And with her seeing those things, it's a traumatic experience on a small child. Yes, it is. And I appreciate your honesty about this because I think explosive behavior in children is not talked about enough. Um, and, And we have seen what I would call some explosive behavior in our home on occasion as well. And it is scary. It is scary for an adult to see it, not to mention a child. Um, and I definitely do think even, even with, with our kids, just years of, um, minor explosions still set my other two kids on edge. And so there's a lot of anxiety and they want to make sure that, um, my child who is neurodiverse is, is always happy because they were afraid that he might yell or, you know, um, just scare them in that way. And, and that is traumatic. That's, and it's, you know, it weighs heavily on my heart because I, I feel like I've, I've caused this. And of course I haven't, but either way, there's this helpless feeling. So I really feel for you. And I'm so glad that you're bringing that up because I think so many moms who do have children who explode, do not talk about it because what, what do we even say? Um, You have to, It's not something that's easy to say, Uh, just like, I mean, it's never easy to say my child can hurt someone or my child did this because one, that's your perfect little person, no matter what they ever do in life, they are your perfect little person. And two, you feel like you're personally being attacked because society thinks that's a direct correlation upon your parenting. Correct. From your parenting is this child being explosive. So it's not an easy thing to talk about, but our kids can't ever get the help that they need or make the strides that they need or the accomplishments that they need to gain. If we don't come barreling out with both 
guns blazing saying this is them this is what we're working on we're gonna be better tomorrow (laughs) that is one thing that we i picked up on when we talked before and we'll talk about this more shortly but you're so unbelievably positive and after you i mean you described some things that sounded really traumatic on you as well and i know there's been Mm -hmm. um hospital stays and and there's been all kinds of just trauma, um, in raising all four of your kids. And yet you still are like, all right, well, tomorrow's another day. And that is so inspirational. Um, but has it always been this way or take us back to when your kids were little? I mean, have you struggled? I mean, I'm sure you have, we all have, but how have you gotten from there to how you are now? Mm. (laughs) Your past can either make you bitter or make you better. And I didn't have an easy childhood. I didn't really have a childhood. Um, I bounced around from household to household, feeling like all I wanted was acceptance. Hi, Mommy. Hang on, buddy. Hi. Oh, don't be sorry. That was a sweet voice. Oh, he grinned at that one. He could be sweet. (laughs) (laughs) but I, I was very lucky that for whatever reason growing up, I was shielded from seeing a lot of the things. Like I, I lived with drug addicts. I lived with alcoholics. I lived in all types of environments that I'm very lucky that I came out as intact as I did. Mm-hmm. And now, even before I had kids, even when I was a teenager, I remember just wanting to do what I could each day to keep somebody from feeling the way I did. And that's what I strive for every day with my kids. Yeah, we go through struggles. We've had so many traumatic events that mm. no family should have had to have withstand what we've been through. But they're never going to feel alone. They're never going to feel like I did. Mm. And they're always going to have someone fighting for them. Mm. Gosh, that's, that's, it's so inspirational. It sounds like you're really going going for this sort of, we're all in this together approach, because especially if in your childhood, if you, if you didn't have that and you were on your own now, it's like, okay, well, this is what we have. So let's just figure out how we're going to conquer those mountains together. Um, That's what we have to do. Wow. And I know you, you mentioned that there, your kids have so many doctor's appointments and things, which I can only imagine. Um, so therefore you're not able to like go to work every day and, um, tell us about, I mean, tell us about how you guys do it every day, the, the ins and outs, a lot of deep breathing and prayer. Um, (laughs) 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 Uh, and honestly, that's it because I, I have to be careful with myself or my brain will stop, start spinning and it's difficult for me to stop it. So I have to force myself to just take little bite size. Okay, this is what we're going to accomplish today. We're not even going to worry about the rest that's on the plate. This is what we're going to worry about. Uh, As of right now, I have been out of a regular job for about two months. Mm, Yeah. Um, I'm starting up with going cleaning houses full time, mainly residential, just because with so many appointments, that's the only way that I've seen that I can financially support my family and accomplish everything else that they need accomplished. Right. 
Now you're, you're not homeschooling, are you? Or they go to school? Oh no, I'm not homeschooling. (laughs) That would be, that would be even more. Um, I have before, but no, it's a little more than I want to bite off right now. (laughs) Understandable. Same, same here. Um, (laughs) And so you, of course, you've got to help with, uh, you know, do the homework and the, all of the things that Mm -hmm. kids need. And it looks like you've got kids um, that span elementary through high school. Um, I just think that when you take off, you know, you said those little bite-sized pieces of getting through your day, sometimes it's so small. It's just like doing the dishes or you had mentioned that Mm -hmm. or just whatever, feeding everybody breakfast and, and cleaning up from that and call it a day. And um, Mm -hmm. you said that I would not have been given these children if I couldn't handle them. And tell me about your thinking on that. (laughs) Well, um, my, my youngest son, because of his explosiveness and just safety things, he has had a few hospital stays. Um, his last one was eight and a half months and it's always hard because it's like a part of me has to admit defeat (laughs) for a moment, Mm. but the end, I just have to see what I can do, even if it's not in that moment, that's going to better things. I have to see what I can do to prepare for the future. I know that that's another thing that moms don't talk about is children who may need a hospital stay. Mm-hmm. Such a stigma, such a stigma around that. And how do you bring that up to other people? You know, how do you talk about that? That's, that's another tough thing. And so the fact that you're bringing it to light again is so important. And I, I just, it's hard for, it's hard on everybody, hard on you and hard on the kids too, but you're, you are such a, a team player in the way that you lead them, all of them. One of the things you said too, was you said, you don't focus on, on the negative. And no. I imagine that it's hard to not focus on the negative, but why don't you, how, how do you keep yourself from getting caught up in, in that? Because all the kids are struggling and, and that's hard. Because even if I want to give up in this moment, <clears throat> I don't ever want my kids to. And if I give them, them the example of someone giving up, then they're going to think it's okay for them. Everything that I have learned as a parent, raising my kids, how to lead my kids, I didn't have anyone teach me that. And then, and there's been times when I've had to look at my oldest and say, give me a little bit of grace. Okay, I'm learning this on my own. <laughs> because mm-hmm. I, di- I didn't have that role model. Mm-hmm. I want my kids to have that role model. I oh. want them to see at the end of the day, regardless They don't have to give up. It's okay to say this burden is heavy. It's okay to say I need to rest, but don't give up. Oh my gosh. That was so good. So beautiful. It is okay to say that this burden is heavy. I, that is hitting me like right in the the gut. Because because nobody, maybe if we all showed a little more weakness, others could learn to be more kind. Tell me about that. Tell me about that. Let's unpack that because I, I think I agree with that, but I like the way you're thinking about it. If we all showed a little more weakness, people would be 
more kind. What do you think? Like, where does that come from? Well, I, I, I look at it with my kids and my kids' friends. If this whole world, we're all worried about what someone else is doing or what someone else will think or, or we, we can't show our weaknesses because then we're less than, but how can we get help? How can our friend or our neighbor who's been there know that they, that we need that help unless we show weakness? Yes. Because there's a stigma around even asking for help in the first place, you know, where you're supposed to be so tough that you don't need anybody else or you don't need any help because you can do it on your own. And so it is looked down upon like there's something wrong with you if you do need help, but we all need help. And that's the thing. Then you had said too, you know, if you're focusing on the negative, imagine how your kids feel. Mm -hmm. And I, that also struck me. You have really great (laughs) one-liners you have great you have great inspirational quotes that should be made into paintings I think oh oh, no Uh, this is stuff that I have to beat into my own head too (laughs) well but it sounds like you have I mean for the most part I'm sure you had to come up with those words you know you had to plant them in your brain and you have to say them and when you say them out loud like this that just helps them settle in and and take space in in you um, even if you doubt it once in a while, but you're a human, we all do, but imagine how the kids feel. Right. And I love that because that's a great reframe. If I'm, if I'm struggling with my child's behaviors, imagine how he feels. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, you look into your child's eyes when they're having a melt and you, you can't say for even a second as a parent that there are moments when you're just absolutely enraged. You're flabbergasted by the flailing arms, by the mouth, by objects flying across the room, whatever's mm-hmm. going on in that moment. You're mad. And in that moment that you're mad, you have to find somewhere to anchor yourself. You look in that kid's eyes because their face may be snarled, their teeth may be gnashed, but their little eyes, they're still there and they're still the same baby that you held the first day they were born. Oh my goodness. Oh my goodness. You need to be a public speaker, I think. <laughs> um, <laughs> I, I, or, or publish a book of poetry. You are, you speak so beautifully. And you're, you're talking about hard things here. You're talking about really hard things and you're right. Your words are right. Um, and they make sense now. Thankfully you are able, I hope, you know, to take, you take them to appointments and you mentioned like, what do you do when there are no resources? Did you ever have a time where you, you know, you couldn't get resources for your kids or have have they always been available to you? No, no. I, I, <laughs> when when I say we are currently living on prayers, that's what we're doing. Oh, is there nothing around you, or it's just hard to get like a, a doctor to sign off on things, or either it's lack of resources, or 
months and months of waiting lists or some things are actually starting to close back down now. So that makes them more difficult to access. Mm. So it's not um, regular, right? It's not regular support. It sounds like. No. Well, that's hard. That doesn't help the situation at all. No. This must be the kind of thing that you, you know, since you, there's four of them, they all have different needs that when you wake up every morning, it's like, all right, who needs this? Who needs that? This is a round the clock, 24 seven job. Yes. Because I don't care if everyone in this house is neurodiverse. (laughs) Everyone is, even though we're all neurodiverse, we're all still completely complex and different. Each child needs completely different parenting. Yes. Can you talk about that? Because that's so true. When you have a neurodiverse child or more than one, you really can't use the same strategies necessarily on different children. No. Um, like, okay, I'm going to start off because he's my squeaky wheel. Um, my oldest son, he, like I mentioned, he is probably the textbook extreme ADHD. <laughs> and I giggle because he's so lighthearted. Mm-hmm. He says, mom, I get in more trouble than anyone else. No, he just requires the typical groundings and Mm. taking the phone away and taking the games Mm. away that finally gets his attention Yeah, because he cannot remember he plays sports and he can't remember even to tell me simple messages from the coach. He can't five minutes from now, he's not going to remember what was said. And I'm trying to be patient with him because he doesn't like the way medication makes him feel. And I, yeah. I, te- I treat each of my children as individuals. They are people. They're not just little peons. <laughs> mm-hmm. And mm-hmm. so we're working through that. And I'm, he's doing great in school without meds. I'm super proud of that. But at home, the impulsivity and bouncing all over the place. So I try to remind him when he comes in. Okay, I give him a rundown of things that need to be done. And then I'll watch if he immediately responds. I say, okay, what did I tell you to do? Then he repeats it back to me and I know, okay, and that's covered. My oldest daughter, uh, she went through, I guess, was when the pen, I think everyone, all kids has had difficulties when they were doing virtual schooling yes. as well. Yes. Um, she, if something can't be planned out, cannot be controlled, cannot be structured, her will start spinning in not very good ways. She thinks that she needs to coordinate everyone else's life. And uh, finally, her brother was getting so irritated with her that it was just causing huge rifts. Oh. And I sat down with her and instead of grounding her or yelling at her and you shouldn't do this, I, I pointed out, okay, if someone came to you, how would this make you feel? And it was that that made her have sort of an aha moment. And she looked at me and she said, Mom, I feel like I've been such a bad person. And I I hugged her. I said, no, we all make mistakes. It's not that you're a bad person. You just didn't have the best ways of going about it. Now that you know what's going on, the ball's in your court to do better. Wow. 
and she has. And she literally, I watch her every day in situations where she wouldn't have weathered them as well before. Now she does. Wow. You got through to her. She heard you. And that's, that's fabulous. (laughs) Like, and it's those little moments that you have to hang on to. There's always a way to get through. You just got to figure it out. (laughs) Oh my gosh. You, you're so, I just, I don't even know what to say besides you're doing it right. You are doing this right. Um, I'm just passionate about it. Nothing about any of these situations is fair or expected or desired, but you can take something positive out of anything negative. You know, your kids are hearing you talk this way and that to me is, is, is one of the most important things you are modeling this positivity and optimism and purpose all the time. And they, they, I mean, they could be hearing it right now and hearing the way you talk is it's sinking into their brains. They don't even realize it, but they will parent the way you parent. Oh, and they're getting to the age that they're giving it back now. And that is amazing. Um, My youngest son, we've had a few rough nights, just school, and he's getting overstimulated. And so home is rough. And there was one, I do not like it. Sometimes we, I do have to physically restrain. I'm the only one that does it. I don't allow for anyone else to do it. I've had training. Been there. Been there. Yeah. And I don't, I just no parent likes it. And afterwards, my oldest son kind of seen me sulking for a minute off to myself. And he put his arms around me and he said, mom, you're doing the best you can. Mm. You're doing the best you know how. He's only 13, but he knows that I'm doing my best. Wow. That must have made you feel so good. I mean, to hear your words coming out of their mouths. Yeah. And I I think I remember, I think I already told you the story about my daughter when she came in. Because I had lost, prior to being unemployed this time, I'd lost two jobs in three months, just back to back because of appointments that I didn't have a choice in, had to be kept. And the first job loss, my daughter, before she went to work, she looked at me and she said, are you okay, mom? I said, no, but I will be. And she came in that night and she said, are you okay now? I said, I'm better, but I'm not okay, but I will be. And she just fell on top of me. I was sitting on the couch. She fell on top of me and wrapped her arms around me. And she's not that affectionate of a person. When you get hugs from her, those are prized possessions. (laughs) And she said, thank you for teaching me how not to worry. Oh, my gosh. For some, anxiety has crippled me my entire life. The only reason why I can fight for my kids is because it's for them. I do fall short on fighting for myself. But when it comes to my kids, I can fight for them. And they're what gives me my every strength. Mm. So for my daughter to tell me that she's not going to, that she doesn't fight with my demons. That's the biggest accomplishment (laughs) that I could have ever gotten. Yeah. And when you say, you know, you're, you fight for them and 
and don't put as much effort into yourself, I would argue that you are putting effort into yourself by raising these four humans to be good people. And that's how I see it. But whenever I see a therapist, they tell me I have that wrong. Really? (laughs) Yes. (laughs) They tell me I I need to find a hobby. (laughs) (laughs) Okay. Well, you know what? They can spend one day in your house and find when there's time for you to find a hobby. That's kind of what I think. I'm like, look, I'm happy when I can soak in a hot tub for 30 minutes if everyone's asleep. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) That's, that sounds pretty good to me. Yes. You are focusing on yourself because you are modeling what it means to be a a good person and a positive person. And that all the work that you put in will come back to you. It will, it already is starting to, like you said, as they get older, when they're all adults, you will get that all back. And that is the best gift that you could give to them Mm -hmm. is how you show up every day for all of them. And in doing that, you are showing up for yourself too. And, and, I see them standing up for other friends who have problems with anxiety or depression or bad home lives or this or that. And they'll talk. They've went to school, the school counselor before on their friend's behalf, or they'll bring it to me and see what I can do. Well, that's how, you know, too, it's not just at home. They're modeling now and, and showing that sort of kindness to other, other people. I would be so curious to see in, in 10 years, 20 years, what they all have for jobs and either, you know, or, or if they are mothers or fathers, but they, they will use these skills that they are seeing and they will put them to good use. I know it. Oh, yes. My oldest being as old as she is, I just think, okay, that's what I, that's what I look for. Okay. The oldest two are turning out. Good. They're awesome. So if I can just figure that out two more times, we'll yeah. be doing it. <laughs> oh gosh. And your little one is only five. So you've got a long way to go there. Um, yes. But, but so, so unbelievably inspirational and really you, you've had it rough and there have been tough times with your kids, but also before you had kids from your own, you know, childhood. And um, you could have chosen so many different roots. You could have chosen a different path. It it could look very different, but, but it's not. And so you've got the kids and I, I think, you know, I know I don't have the camera now, but I think you have dogs or a dog, you know, you, you're taking care of all the creatures and we have, I have four kids, two dogs and five cats. (laughs) I love it. We have two dogs as well. We don't have any cats. It makes me allergic or itchy, but um, we do have two dogs. Yes. That's a lot of creatures that you take care of and you show up for. And a counselor says that you need a hobby. (laughs) Oh (laughs) gosh. No time for hobbies right now. I I feel that. I get it. What would you want to say, if anything, that you haven't said already to mothers who are listening, who are going to be super inspired by you, really the way you are so positive and hopeful. Um, and, and sometimes, you know, we're not, we're struggling. And, and so what would you say? And I know it's hard when your mind is spinning for a lot of us, that's just a state of being. 
just don't stop reaching. I call them God winks. Uh, <laughs> just little things that happen throughout your day to show you that there's a greater good, to show you that there's a bigger purpose. Mm. You have to hold on to those. We think about our neurodiverse kids and what their futures are going to look like depending on their levels of disability. Oh, well, if your kid can't tie their shoe today, they can give you a hug and that shows emotion. Hold on to that. Hold on to the five good minutes that you had to remind you that life isn't all bad. Because when we get stuck in life is bad, everything is bad, that's when you're not going to go anywhere. Goodness. I could listen to you talk all day. The words that come out of your mouth are so put together so beautifully. They're just, they're poetic. Um, You are right. Everything you say is true. And it's a good lesson. Not only do you model this for your kids, but now you are modeling this for all the mothers who are listening, including me, um, that these are the reminders that we can take home with us. Those five good minutes, that one good thing. We may have had a terrible day with massive meltdowns and anger and all of those things, but there may have been a moment where he says, I'm so glad you're my mama or something like that. And Mm -hmm. it's like, there it is. There's that's all I needed now to get through this day. Mm -hmm. Um, And that's, it's just so good. It's so good. Really. I want to put you on a stage and have you talk. (laughs) Um, I feel (laughs) like you'd make a great TEDx speaker. Um, I I love speaking just because it's so easy to get bogged down. Yeah. And get stuck in your own headspace. But when, when you're saying the words, when you're talking about them, when you're trying to encourage others, that's when your life becomes bigger than you. And that's what it's all about. (laughs) Yes. That's, and that's what I'm trying to do by giving, giving space for mom's to do this very thing that you're doing right now. And Mm -hmm. because you've got something to say and it needs to be heard by more people. Mm -hmm. So I am grateful to you for the fact Mm -hmm. that you can put these words together and speak them so wonderfully in really a challenging situation that you face every day. And I know, at least for me, that this has been super inspirational for me. If moms want to reach you and say, hi, are you okay with that? And if so, how can they find you? Oh, no, I'm more than happy. Anyone that ever wants to reach out can always look me up on Facebook. It is under Charity Howard uh, or, well, let me see. I have an email. It's c86howard at gmail.com. And I do check that regularly as well. Awesome. Both of those, Facebook and email, I think are great. And I guarantee you there will be moms who will reach out and want to to tell you how you made them feel. Um, so Charity, I just want to thank you so much for being here and for saying all of these beautiful things. I really want to stay connected with you and, and keep talking um, and support you, however. And thank you for providing a platform for moms to be able to speak. Thank you. 
Thank you. Can you see us? <laughs> no. Nope, can't see you. Can't see you, buddy, but... But I, you can see her? I can't see it. You can see me, but I can't see you. <laughs> and actually, I just want to say that your mom is a rock star. She is unbelievably awesome. And I know it's weird when you say that, and it's your mom, but like, I'm, I can see it, how wonderful and supportive she is. So you guys are some lucky kids over there. Charity, I just want to thank you again. And um, let's, let's stay in touch and um, we'll, we'll continue this conversation. All right. You have a great evening, Megan. Thank Thank you. you. Take care. Bye, Megan. Bye. Bye. Bye guys. Thanks for listening today. If you would like to talk with me personally, where we can chat and just get to know each other like old friends, I would love to do a discovery call with you. Go to my website, ontheharddays.com, and click on Schedule a Call. And if you're not already subscribed to this podcast, please do so so that you get the latest when they roll out. Not to mention, please leave a review if you feel like this episode spoke to you. That way, the podcast will be shown to more mothers. And finally, you can find me on Instagram at on the hard days with dots in between each word or in my free Facebook community, On the Hard Days Podcast and Community. If you are feeling isolated in your parenting journey, I encourage you to reach out through any of these means so that I can connect you with your people and support you in whatever way you need.